You're listening to The Outward Hire, a podcast for all things hiring. My name is Javier Blaza, and I'm the founder of Marti, a team management platform that curates overseas talent for your company. I sit down with job seekers and hiring managers to talk about their hiring process, main takeaways from their experience, and what advice they can give to listeners like you. I have a lot of respect to all of my fellow designers uh, based in the Philippines um, who are actually able to do um, the legit product design work of research, design, and all of that stuff. And I have even more respect for those who who are able to migrate out of the country and actually start um, their design careers outside of the Philippines because uh, all odds are against you at that point. You're already you're already joining an industry that doesn't have a traditional career path. With the help of the community and all of the people that I met, I was able to really uh, get my foot in the door as a designer. And actually, my first de- my first uh, my first job as a designer was actually because of my personal connections. Uh, that I made during the during my university years. So, yeah, if you are a product designer who's able to actually do product design, you're someone I look up to. Today on the show, we have Richard Parino, and Richard is actually a product designer for the Marty platform. Richard and I have also been working for a few months now alongside each other within the product team. Richard is also a community member over at the Philippine Web Designers Organization and is also a community manager at his own Discord community called Tambayan404. Hey Richard, welcome to the show. Hi Abby, great to be here. Awesome. So I wanted to start a conversation around your career in product design. So what Mm -hmm. led you to pursue a career in product design? Um, it all started back in college uh, when I was attending all of these different startup events and when I was very active uh, in the student startup scene. Uh, I think I also met you through that scene back back when we were back when we met here in the Philippines before, like three years ago in 2017. So it really started there. My main interest started with, started in mainly how do I make solutions? For some of the problems that I see in everyday life. And then there was one particular workshop that stood out for me uh, in my very first startup event, which was Startup Weekend Manila, which was held in DLSU. And it was a design thinking workshop by Carlo Valencia back then. And it was, and I really that that moment three years ago really started off my interest in, my interest in product design and UX design in general. And uh, essentially, I really liked the idea of using design, uh, asking the right, uh, asking questions, uncovering uh, hidden issues to be able to solve some of the problems uh, that we see here in the world. And as I grew older, like eventually after graduation, I started exploring the more um, ethical side of it, the ethical side of design, the more um, uh, let's say responsive, uh, responsible design, in terms on terms of how design can actually be used as a force of good, in breaking down some of the biases, negative biases that we have here in the world, and in essentially I see it as a force of good, and that's what initially led me to cur- to pursue a career in design, and it's what's pushing me right now to keep. Uh, to to stay in this industry. That's awesome. So, I guess when when you were young, did you think this was the career type of career that you were gonna pers- be pursuing, or did you discover this more in college, or when were you when you were little, did you like start coding or designing things? Um, when I was a kid, I didn't really have any idea about product design or UX as we know it. Because at least in the Philippine context, it didn't really start becoming mainstream until like uh, until recently, like just a few years ago. And 
when I was a kid, I was mainly concerned with graphic design, and I actually wanted to major in uh, in multimedia arts when I was going to college. But uh, life happened, and then I decided to uh, just major in information technology. And then my my desire for uh, or my dreams of being a graphic designer, I guess, back in college, pretty much died down. I started to focus on the more engineering aspect of of tech. Uh, the I started with uh, web development, and then um, I slowly found my way back to um, product design, th- and that happened with me. Uh, really exploring web design when i was in college and then you know, uh joining that startup event and then seeing how all of these different fields can be linked together by product design and so um there is really not a straight answer for me because um this is still i think everyone can share in the sentiment that they're not really 100% sure about the type of career they're in even if let's say they have decades of experience there will still be moments where uh you think that it's not really for you especially when that imposter syndrome kicks in but for me um as of this moment um all things considered this is definitely what I'd like to do uh, for the next few years. Cool. So I guess we're both part of a similar organization called uh, User Experience Society. And I believe around yeah. 2018 or 2019, you guys started a chapter over at your university. Um, how, how did that come to be and, how, and what are some of the things that you do at that organization? So the really quick story of UX Society, of the UX Society chapter in BLSU was that it was really good timing for every for all of the founders involved. Uh, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it started around 2017, right around the time where uh, I started becoming active in startups. And then that was also the time where I, uh, where I ran as batch president in our student council. And then eventually won, and then it gave me a lot of like um, privilege to be actually be able to start an organization, um, and essentially get access to resources that people normally wouldn't have if they wanted to start an organization in uh, in that university. And uh, yeah, mostly uh, during one of we. UX society was started out of an out of a need at the time. Uh, we saw that there wasn't really any organization uh, talking about user experience um, or even web design in general. It's mostly just one organization in our college that talked about generalist uh, computer science topics, right? So we saw the issue there that oh, what about those? people who are taking up CS or IT or information systems that don't really want to be an engineer? What if what if their skills are more, they have a stronger skill set in design, for example? Um, and there are other orgs that tackle design in the university, but these are more like the traditional graphic design organizations or communications design. Nothing that's really focused on digital product design or web design or or uh, or basically there there was no one exploring the UX side of it so yeah we started that organization um uh, me uh Jordan uh Giselle MJ and Pierce we were the original founding directors of the organization and my role mainly in that organization it wasn't speaking in the it wasn't speaking for the org it was more of the operation side since i had more experience with building organizations i had more experience with uh, actually holding events in the university context so that's where my skill set fit in the fit in ux society cool did you guys also similarly follow this 
consultancy model in uh in your UX society chapter compared to like all the other chapters that have set up uh UX society as well. Yes. Yes, we also have a consultancy arm, but it it was actually pretty tricky to handle at first because there is uh the university has a lot of control over the official organizations uh in the university, but as an unaccredited organization and also as an organization which had connections to a research lab and basically we had a lot of connections within the university uh we were able to make it work um our number our first problem was how do we build them like as an organization we don't really have a bank account except our um official our our own bank accounts and we had a problem because we um there's i think there is a certain rule in our university where you can't sell services uh if you have the dlsu thing on their brand or anything so our consultancies were mainly through personal connections uh our personal connections in through the design community like we got them from our friends in uxph and some of our projects also um came from other friends our personal connections and we essentially were able to pull off consultancies even though we're still a very young organization trying to find our footing and it was particularly hard because we weren't a traditional organization we didn't want to to follow the org system uh in DLSU because our line of thinking back then was oh we're an we're an unaccredited org so we have uh, a lot more flexibility in not following the rules so to speak so yeah <laughs> uh you mentioned UXPH uh is that another organization that you guys were connected with uh yes i would say that organization user experience philippines has done a lot uh has made a lot of impact in my life personally along with the Philippine Web Designers Organization of course uh where I am currently one of the community leads and UXPH actually gave us the the uh, the network that we needed to start a new design organization uh that was where we sourced most of our initial speakers uh through our network in UXPH and then when we also became active there as volunteers because of course if you want to succeed in the design industry here in the philippines or at least get your at least to get your foot in the door you really have to rely on the community aspect since there's no traditional um college degree for product design or ux you really need to um uh leverage the community connections there right right so um, I guess until now, have is there still no focused UX type of courses offered at your college or university? Um, no, I would say at least the last time I checked in my specific university, there is really no specific uh, college program, and I think due to the nature of user experience design and product design. Uh, it's something that you can't really um, put into a college degree, like a four-year college degree, since it's really like a mix of different fields. Uh, personally, if you want to be a successful, relatively successful designer, you have to consider uh, business, you have to consider the tech side, and you also have to consider like the visual design side. So these are the three things that, of course, when you try to fit into a college degree it might not make sense or it might be really difficult to pull off but then again that's just that's just my opinion uh, of course boot camps have always done this have always done this they're, they're really able to create quality designers within a short amount of time but in the philippine context i'm i'm not really sure awesome All right so what are some of the favorite projects that you had when you were running um, UX Society DLSU or when you were at uh, UXPH or PWDO? 
Um, actually, when I was in UX society, I didn't really uh, get my hands on uh on like the consultancy projects because I really believed that um my job there was to enable others to actually be good designers. Like I didn't, we did as the directors, we didn't want to. Um, at least the founding directors, we didn't want to um, take the spotlight and make it look like we started the organization for our benefit. No, we we wanted to grow the design culture in in the school. And so me personally, I wasn't able to handle any other, any consultancy projects. Um, my most significant contribution during my time in in the university was when I organized um junior form function in class which is which was a revival of um of puedos or the philippine web designer organizations uh flagship conference that was made for students and that's definitely my my most my most memorable and favorite project uh, during my time uh as an active member of the ux society organization because number one, it was my proving ground and pretty much what you can consider my application uh, into the Philippine Web Designers Organization. Uh, because our old rules stated um, to be a member, you have to organize an event. So I went went all out and I organized a conference, not just an event. <laughs> so, And that was really a cool um, experience for me because I experienced... Um, pretty much organizing a full-scale conference just in the student con- just in the student context. Like um, I was able to book venues, I was able to book speakers, and on the day itself, it was pretty. It was pretty much a tra- traumatic experience where um, all of the things that could go wrong went wrong. But somehow, on the participant side of things, it, we were still able to deliver value. And I would like to think that um, for some of the students that attended that conference, uh, Junior Form Functioning Class uh, in the LSU, I think we were able to make at least a little bit of impact in terms of like giving them inspiration, to continue their design journey or inspiration to start their design journey. And yeah, um, my favorite project wasn't really like a UX, any particular UX project in uh, in the university. I would say it's really organizing an event that was aimed at building the community and doing something that benefited not only me, but the community at large awesome is this uh junior form function in class the one that was held in ateneo with andre takuyan as the keynote speaker oh no that's a different junior form function in class that was the one before uh the gffc that i organized gotcha. so that one was organized by alexis and and when he, when he was when he was the head of UX society uh back in his college days i see i see cool um so i kind of want to steer the conversation now towards um i guess your aspirational beliefs or uh things that you look up to as or people that you look up to as a graphic des- as a product designer. So, is there anyone in mind that you look up to as a product designer? Um, sure. I am going to give a hot take and say that I don't really uh like looking up to people uh, as as um like looking looking at them like they're one step higher than me. I don't really like the idea of idolizing people. Um, because you tend to put them on a pedestal and then you forget um you tend to like have biases about oh they're so such a good designer um they're they're perfect essentially that's that's the pitfall that i i really don't want to put myself under uh instead of looking up to a specific designer my personal perspective on it is that as long as one 
your product designer from the Philippines who's able to actually do your work as a product designer. You're already someone worth uh, aspiring to. Because in the Philippine context, product design or UX design as a role, as an industry, is really, really hard to get into. People, There is a reason why people spend thousands of pesos uh, attending paid workshops uh, and essentially trying to upskill themselves to get into an industry that doesn't really um, that isn't really fair in accepting uh, in accepting people. So uh, yeah, as long as you're from the Philippines, as long as you're actually a product designer who's actually able to do your UX work, you are someone worth aspiring to. And I have a lot of respect to all of my fellow designers uh, based in the Philippines um, who are actually able to do um, the legit product design work of research, design, and all of that stuff. And I have even more respect for those who who are able to migrate out of the country and actually start um, their design careers outside of the Philippines because uh, all odds are against you at that point. You're already you're already joining an industry that doesn't have a traditional career path. There's no there's no uh, there's no college degree for product design. Uh, personally, I was a self taught designer. My background, as I mentioned earlier, is really information technology. So I'm more knowledgeable in uh, web design, web development. But I was able to, with the help of the community and all of the people that I met, I was able to really uh, get my foot in the door as a designer. And actually, my first, de- my first, uh, my first job as a designer was actually because of my personal connections. Uh, that I made during the during my university years. So, yeah, if you are a product designer who's able to actually do product design, you're someone I look up to. I think this is one of these hot takes that you could post on LinkedIn. It'll get like 700 likes. Wow, yes, so inspirational. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wanted to talk about... Um, so what what makes you say that uh, getting into the industry or getting a job within the industry, especially in the Philippine context, is not fair or like unfair? Um, well, that starts with a lot of assumptions and background knowledge that you'll really uh, only get if you graduated from a Philippine university, or at least you grew up in the Philippine context. Um, in the Philippines, you have this notion of top three or, or the top four universities. So that's uh, the University of the Philippines, that's uh, Ateneo de Manila University, that's De La Salle University, and that's uh, the University of Santo Tomas. Those are the four uh, top universities in the Philippines. And these, all of these, um, all of these universities don't have uh, like, degree programs that strictly say that say that um you have a product design degree or a ux design degree it's always almost always someone from uh either information systems information technology computer science or um mis in the ateneo context or information design right so when you put Add that to the fact that there are companies, a lot of companies in the Philippines that actually prefer these students from uh, these top four universities. Uh, you can imagine the, um, the privilege and basically how um, it's not really an equal field that you can enter. Uh, for example, there are some companies that are looking for UX designers and even if you don't uh, write in your resume that you have significant product design experience, they'll accept you as a designer just on merit that you're 
from that specific university. And that's the sad reality of the industry here in the Philippines. And I would bet that's the reality as well for like other countries, especially in the US, where I think there is this concept of like feeder schools from the Ivy Leagues and going to the FANG companies, right? So that in the Philippines, it's a lot more, it's a lot worse, I would say, because there's this, also this issue of privilege where um, not all universities have organizations like uh, UX Society. Not everyone has um, people passing opportunities to them, right? And there's a lot of power play happening here in the Philippines. And it's, and it's really, really hard to get into an industry where you know that there are people who have established themselves. And when you look at their background, you see that, oh, they're from, the, from X university, right? And you, as someone, uh, at least this is my assumption, as someone who is not um, from those top, top universities, you might think that, oh, um, this is something that's really hard to get into, uh, I don't even have the the qualifications. Um, they never even taught me UX design in college. But here's the secret that the top four universities don't really want to tell you. Um, no one teaches UX design in college. No one teaches product design in college. The closest thing that they teach you is human-computer interaction. And even then, it's just, it's the academic version of UX. It's pretty much just the basics of UX in the academic context. No one really talks about how how to design for products, how to design products at scale, uh, like that, how to design for mobile. There's really nothing that sets apart an Athenian designer or, an, or a Lasallian designer from someone who didn't graduate from those universities. It's all like a lot of people in the industry are carried by their universities and i am guilty of this myself like using my university as a stepping stone to get into the roles that i want and yes essentially that's <laughs> that's pretty much why uh the ux design industry in the philippines in particular is really unfair and not really equal to everyone and uh, right, right. And when we, I guess, when we bring this into the U.S. context, it's almost like, oh, okay, would you get someone from Stanford or like Ivy League schools, or would you get a boot camper who graduated from the suburbs of Milwaukee? Like, uh, yeah. it's it's kind of <laughs> like, and who transitioned from like an from a. I don't know, a uh, biology degree into UX design? Or would you rather get like a yeah. four-year design student? I think we experienced this in uh, one of our interviews that we did as well for Marty. Uh, like, oh, it yeah. was super hard for this person to find a job or find a related job, mainly because uh, where they come from was a boot camp compared to all these other programs that already have like specialized roles, like symbolic yeah. systems at Stanford University. <laughs> and that's something that we really relate to as people who don't really belong uh, to the United States, for example. Uh, before joining Makisu, I sent in like 30 applications and all of them failed. And I would like to think that I never got an interview because of number one, uh, where I came from, like no one wants to interview a no-name uh, designer from the Philippines. Uh, why would they actually do the hard effort of actually scheduling a call with someone in the other side of the world and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to relocate them when you can find someone uh, right next door? Like, <laughs> I I think that U.S. companies though are really really sleeping on like untapped potential yes within asia i think that as long as they're able to fix the work culture of like working asynchronously especially in times of covid i think that these yeah. companies could stand to earn like a lot of value 
uh, if they even get a workforce from abroad and if they're able to manage them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, I uh, I wanted to ask you about um, some of the, I guess, more nitty-gritty stuff that you do in, in product design. So um, are there any interesting tools or methodologies or uh, things that you've gone over in like some readings or medium blog articles that you've read that might be interesting that you want to share? Um, whenever like a uh, a person who wants to break into design or who's new into design uh, wants to break into the industry and they ask me, I always tell them to um, to go to this um, medium publication. I think it's start.uxdesign.cc. Yeah, that's that's the link, start.uxdesign.cc. That's pretty much what I give everyone. Like, oh, you want to start with design? Read everything that's in here, right? Because it's pretty much like an easy way for me of explaining, oh, these are a lot of things that you have to do. Like design isn't just research, isn't just pushing pixels, right? In terms of uh, specific tools and frameworks, uh, for my UI design work, I use Figma because number one, it's free. And I have always used the free plan for all of my design work, whether that's my freelance work or my previous work or even my current work. It just takes a lot of effort in like shuffling uh, the, the file permissions, especially if you have more than two designers working on project. And even then you can just ask them to copy over the project file if you need it. So Figma is really like a great tool for UI design in general. And as I've discovered, it's actually a really good design for any, everything else. Like I also make like some of my slide decks on Figma because it's I work faster that way. It's easier to like um, uh, design PowerPoints um, if if I have it on Figma, right? And in my previous work, when I was doing conversation design, uh, it was really easy for me to uh, just create templated boxes of like the conversation flows and then just copy them and then edit the contents in Figma as opposed to finding a most likely paid dedicated conversation design tool. I could just do it in Figma or even something more basic like um, draw.io, right? Because I am a very huge advocate for of free tools like Figma and Draw.io. Because as a broke college student, these were the tools that helped me act, actually help me um, study design. Like I didn't have the ninety nine dollars a year to pay for Sketch, even though I have a MacBook um, back in college. And in terms of specific frameworks, I would suggest. Um, I always return to like the design thinking methodology, but the main thing about UX design is it's not really focusing on specific frameworks. It's more of deciding what strategy to use at a certain time in a certain context, right? So it's not really, oh, for this project we'll do um design thinking oh for this project we'll do design sprints uh no i i my my personal design process has has never been as straightforward as applying that because personally um uh ux design is more than the workshops it's more than the uh it's more than those things that you see on the internet of like sticky notes like no it's 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 only one part of the process right um in reality design is trying to at least in my opinion design is trying to is part trying to figure out how you're going to answer some of these questions that you have in mind so whether that's uh through uh, uh like ux research and then for example in ux research there's a lot of different things that you can do and then when it comes to UI design, you also have to answer a lot of questions like, oh, is this going to be a mobile app or is this going to be a desktop app or is it going to be like a physical experience or is it going to be a voice experience, right? So there's no, there, I would say there is no one, uh, there's no one framework that I use. I 
I am always receptive for like uh, new workshops, new methodologies, um, and when it comes to design work. But personally, I've always at 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 the very base of my all of my design related work, I always start with the questions. I always start with um, the how might we questions. I always start with uh, the research first, and then I take it one step at a time. I always uh, evaluate what particular strategy would be effective in that specific situation. Right, right. I came across uh, one of these Medium blog articles that you wrote a couple of months ago, or was it a year ago? Yeah. Is about accessibility in terms of like and like when when you take into consideration designing for people who have specific disabilities like them being hard of hearing or yeah. um things like that uh what are uh, what made you interested in that kind of topic um it all started when i um in my previous work when i was introduced to when we have when we when we had a project on uh, chatbots, or as I started to learn, uh, conversational assistants or voice assistants, so it was there. It was there when my boss introduced to me. Oh, there's there's this whole thing about conversation design, and they and when I was uh, when I was visiting Google for for this GD uh, for this uh, GDE stuff, uh, they had a workshop on conversation design, and then he taught me. Uh, some of those, some of the strategies that they did, he shared to me uh, how how the workshop went and what's it about, and he shared to me a link on Google's uh, conversation design handbook, which I think is still the best resource if you want to learn about designing for chat experiences, voice experiences, right? So it all started there, and I've always been interested in. Um, technologies like chatbots or voice voice assistants because i always i've always seen it as something that uh could actually pre- provide an alternative experience for people who don't really use uh, computers so and then as i mentioned earlier i started exploring the more ethical side of design the more responsible uh, side of design um and then as i started exploring conversation design further i actually saw how how helpful it can be as an inclusive technology how helpful it can be in actually helping those who have um difficulties in reading uh in hearing in speaking and basically those who are um not as able as us in performing some of their tasks like for example um if you are hard, if you can't really write, uh, you can just use a voice assistant, right? And then more often than not, these voice assistants are designed in a way that they can actually take your general queries and actually figure out the intent behind the behind these uh, behind what you said. And that's big props to the engineers who made that happen, like to the um, NLP engineers who made that. So. Uh, yes, I'm. I'll always be an advocate for accessible design because uh, the more you uh, stay in this industry, the more you see how unfair everything is to certain sectors of society. Like, for example, let's start with something more relatable. Um, not every website uh, can be used by someone who is uh, let's say hard of uh, who doesn't really have good sight right if you're blind not every website supports a screen reader and you and the impact of that is that you lock out hundreds of people from experiencing your product from experiencing uh, your uh, from basically experiencing what you made and that's really unfair for people who didn't really have a choice in um in terms of their vision like sometimes it is what it is uh, you really get this when you're born or some freak accident happens and you become blind and just because of that you're locked out to hundreds of experiences on the on the internet 
and it really goes against uh, the idea that the internet was supposed to be this big thing that democratizes information so yeah this really this is something that i really feel strongly about like even in web design i always i always remind the designers oh please always consider the contrast even even get, just start at the contrast please consider that because not everyone uh can see uh contra or can see that as well as us please consider the colors because a lot of people are actually colorblind and it might actually negatively affect their experience um one physical example of that just to illustrate how bad that experience is um not i think the majority of traffic lights aren't friendly to uh people who are colorblind so you can imagine a uh, green green looks red for them and you can imagine the implications for that of someone who is driving let's say so yes given that all of those um uh let's say unfair unjust stuff that's happening in the world and as a designer i can't help but think if things were designed well if things were designed properly more people will have access to technology and more people will actually be able to experience um things as we experience them uh the world or at least uh people will actually be able to um enjoy what we're enjoying right now yeah that totally makes sense uh i guess i guess in the us you have stuff like ada compliance for like websites yeah. and things like that where i know that um like some universities have had like their university website people actually like sue the university for um not having it like screen reader compliant or not making it accessible to specific types of um specific types of people so and it's, and it's good i think that yeah. there are laws behind that i feel like some other i'm not so sure whether there are like laws like that within the philippines itself but i don't think so <laughs> yeah so like sometimes i see on facebook how um they're really really unaccessible um like things like things as simple as like wheelchair ramps and stuff like that it's, yes it's horrible so uh street accessibility and mobility is an entire different beast here in the philippines and it's something that's being lobbied by a lot of people and a lot of people are also pushing back against it because you know it is what it is humans will always have some sort of interest for or against a certain thing yeah definitely i i i mean i think that we should still champion like the good stewards in our society for pushing towards something like this because i yeah. I, I, th I think it'll make make for a more inclusive uh type of design community and more inclusive society so i think this is something yeah. that yeah definitely that 100 we should keep in mind so i heard that you manage uh this discord community um how, oh, yeah. how are you so given your experience growing like other organizations could you tell us like a little bit about this community that you're building all right so um i started along with my friends it's not like a singular effort of mine it's really like a group effort on our end like we started this thing called uh tambayan 404 it's essentially a discord community uh where we we publicized it as somewhere like people from the tech community in the philippines and beyond can like join and actually have um enjoy the shared interest of everyone there so we have spaces for um building computers building keyboards um we have spaces for games for financial management all of that stuff we pretty much made a community from the people from the network of people that we know because um in the philippines there's a big issue of burnout uh especially in times of covid and there's this pretty much at least 
the three of us founders, like Sam and she, the three of us found the problem of, oh, all of the community, all of the tech communities here in the Philippines are all, are all talking about um, too many work stuff, I would say. And super especially serious. in times of COVID. Yeah, it's it's all super serious. And there might be times where they offer like uh, timeout uh, programs like socials and stuff. But really, so, you really can't beat uh, turning off your notifications, um, not doing community work, and just talking about your interests with someone. Like, you might be someone who um, who wants to talk about bikes, but it might be uh, intimidating if you post in a Facebook group because you don't really know the people there. Uh, you might have a question about keyboards like you want to get started in mechanical keyboards but then again you're intimidated or you don't want to or you don't want other people to know who you are so we created this space called Tambayan 404 which was really our personal project we wanted to move all of our conversations to discord instead of messenger and then it and then it pretty much um turned into something that we really nurtured into a community uh, where we say that it's a space for tech people and tech enthusiasts to not talk about work. Um, there are spaces where you can talk about uh, job listings, uh, like the uh, talking about design, talk about coding, but its main purpose is really to provide a space for people to escape from their workday, to escape from all of the pressure of the community and pretty much share, enjoy in the shared interest with other people. And I think I'd like to think that we're we're doing something so we're we're doing something well. Um uh, just last night we checked our membership numbers we're like uh at 400 something and we're ha- we're ha- we have a steady pace going up but we really don't mind we're perfectly happy with the size of the community we have enough people who are active we have uh we're always a welcoming and inclusive community and yeah and to factor in like my experience of building other communities I would actually say that the thing that helped me build Tambayan for to help us build Tambayan for for is that we had a large existing network. Um, there, I would I wouldn't say that there is one specific skill set that I used or that we used in building the community. It's really just something that was built out of a need, and we built. And we built what we think was the solution for it, and and surprisingly enough, people actually enjoyed it. And I guess it would be more, um, it would be more similar to actually building out a product, right? Uh, you res- you you develop something for for what you think are the problems, and you then you validate, and then you pivot, and then you pivot, and then etc. So. Me personally, I treat Tambayan 404 as a side project. I would like to see how we can grow communities organically. Like we don't want to rely on um, on like star power, etc. We're trying to see how certain uh, certain stuff affects community growth. Like for example, the the podcast that we made, uh, we that. Uh, personally, I was able to see how impactful podcasts are in terms of growing out a community. And then uh, I fig- I also discovered how hard it is to edit a podcast, like to remove all of the background noise. And I know that's difficult for like one-on-one podcasts, but what we were doing in Tambayan 404 was that it was a community podcast. It was right. a live podcast. Where everyone can join in, and they're free to listen, free to participate, or they they can just lurk, right? And then on the editing side of the podcast, it's really hard to um, to clean something up that's organized through Discord and trying to fix all the background noise. And that's actually uh, I had a newfound respect, and 
uh, admiration for people who edit podcasts uh, like regularly and are able to consistently uh, push out ep- episodes of their podcasts. So yeah, going back to the point, no, um, I would say like that community was really built on shared interests and um something that was definitely needed during these uh during these times of a pandemic right i can't imagine how my day would look like if i didn't have a uh, tambayan 404 to like escape to uh i would most definitely have um gone a little bit crazy like if i had all of these things that i wanted to share and no one really responded to me but yeah <laughs> and for english speakers tambayan is like a hang around right or a chill out yeah it's place. like hang out okay. i think direct translation is hang out cool well awesome it's great to hear that i'll i think yeah. that we could end this on we could end on this topic right here um thanks for coming on the show uh really appreciate yeah, no like hearing all your insights Oh uh, yeah, sure. It, it was also great to actually share it to someone. Awesome. Cool. I uh, will catch you in the next one then. All right. Yeah, sure. I'll catch you in the next one. All right. All right. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's podcast with Richard Parino, product designer at Marty. Thank you so much, Richard, for being such a great guest and for sharing your Java experience as well as your insights into product design. I think my biggest takeaway from our conversation was how Richard took a unique path to get started in product design, given that it's such a competitive industry to get into in the Philippine context. For me, what was most interesting was how some of the American companies that he applied to didn't even get back to him, given his experience and insight into the industry. I also really admire his perseverance and passion into building communities. And also, for us to bridge our listeners to the guests that we have on our show, you can join our own online community on circle.so called the Martian Community. Get the chance to widen your personal network, connect with our members, and interact with others who share the same passions and interests like you. Again, that's Martian Community on circle.so. Martian circle.so that's martian.circle.so martian.circle.so and thank you guys for listening and have an awesome day <laughs>